Well, welcome everybody. We're so delighted that you're here with us online and we're praying for you that you will know the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit right where you are even now as we take these moments together to be instructed and inspired from God's word. May the Lord bless you. We're continuing our series, Living on a Prayer, where we're trusting God to grow us in greater intimacy, in greater authority and greater power as we ask the Lord Jesus to teach us to pray. And we're also believing God for a life altering shift in the way that we see prayer and its purpose in our lives. And what we want to do is to grab hold of the essential truth that prayer is actually the most vital part of worship that we get to do in response to Jesus. For it's from that place, everything else is birthed, empowered and fulfilled. Today, we come to yet another expression of prayer, that which is called intercession. And intercession is where we stand in the gap between heaven and earth in partnership with our Heavenly Father to bring his goodness and glory into the lives of others around us. I guess at its most basic level, you could say that intercession is simply praying for others. But it's so much more than that. As Richard Foster, the well-known Christian author on prayer writes, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to pray. Intercession is a way of loving others. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? In many ways, intercession is the pinnacle of prayer. Why is that? Because it is an invitation from our Heavenly Father to partner with him in releasing what's in heaven upon the earth. At the same time, it's joining with Jesus Christ in his continued ministry of intercession, because that's what he does. He ever lives to intercede. He's now seated at the right hand of God the Father, but He's calling us to join with him in interceding for this world. And it's also learning to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of requests, praying for the Lord's people everywhere to be strengthened, enabled and emboldened in their witness of Christ. In intercession, the whole Godhead Father, Son and Spirit are drawing us to stand in the gap between heaven and earth to see the kingdom of God break in. And this is this is the thing to serve notice upon the kingdom of darkness, to cast it out and to bring heaven on earth. Do you know that is so powerful? If we get this, we would not ever want to stop praying prayers of intercession. So. Let's read some of the Lord's Prayer that we're going through in this series to help shape us on our way. And I'm just going to read again some verses from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. This is what we read. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Intercession is learning to pray in intimacy and power. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're just going to stop for a moment. And I just want you to, right where you are, to stand before we go any further. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and help us as we go on this journey of learning more about intercession. So wherever you are, why don't you stand? And we're just going to take some moments. Why don't you speak to the Holy Spirit and ask him to fill you? See you in just a few moments. Okay, well, I hope that was helpful and powerful. One of my favourite stories of both intercessory prayer and revival is centred on a man with the most glorious name, Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. And alongside him, a bunch of ragtag refugees displaced through brutal persecution to whom Nicholas gave land on his estate so that they could have a new life and a new home. These people were called Moravians after the region in the now Czech Republic from where they'd been driven out. These several hundred people built a new village on Zinzendorf's estate called Hernhut, which means the Lord's Watch. At first, it didn't all go according to plan as the refugees quarreled and fell out with one another. Sadly, it's the same story all over the world, isn't it? But on the 13th of August, 1727, Count Zinzendorf got all the people together in his local church building and challenged them to apologise to one another and repent of their behaviour before the Lord. And, you know, as the people did that, as they confessed their sin, as they apologised and, and, and restored relationship with one another, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon that gathering and so began in that moment a powerful move of the Holy Spirit that changed everything in that village of Herrenhut. Two weeks after the revival had begun, 24 men and 24 women, inspired by reading Leviticus 6.13, where it talks about the sacred fire must never go out on the altar. They took that to be prayer. And so they covenanted to cover an hour of the day and night to intercede and pray for the people of their village and for the nations of the world. Just giving an hour a day. And over the weeks that followed, more and more people joined this 24-7 prayer meeting. Soon, such was the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place that people from all around Europe began to travel to meet with the Holy Spirit in this tiny village in Germany. Over the years, there were thousands that came to encounter the presence of God. But here's the thing. 
What began with a count and 24 ordinary men and women turned out to be an unbroken prayer meeting that lasted over a hundred years. Can you get that? A hundred year long prayer meeting that never stopped. And in that time, that small community of a few hundred people became the greatest missions base of the 18th century, sending more people to preach the gospel around the world than any other Christian group at that time. The Moravians and Zinzendorf became the pioneers of modern mission and opened up more continents and people groups to Jesus than any group before them since the day of Pentecost. Whoa, what a story. What an amazing, amazing thing. Sometimes we can feel that our prayers are weak and ineffective. Maybe we hear stories like that and we see giants in prayer and, and Zinzendorf himself certainly was a giant in the spiritual world. He was a man who knew how to pray and he achieved so much. And we can look at people like Zinzendorf and think we could never be like them. When we face problems like serious sickness in ourselves or in others around us, maybe in friends or relatives that are just so rejecting of Jesus and don't want to know anything about the gospel. When we see governments that persecute Christians and oppress its subjects, natural disasters or tragedies, we seriously wonder if we can change anything by our prayers. And, you know, we can become paralyzed and tempted to give up. But that's why I love the story that I've just told, because it's not just about Zinzendorf. Actually, do you know what? He was just an ordinary guy as well, but he was used by an extraordinary God. But alongside him, there were very ordinary men and women. We don't even know their names. In fact, a ragtag group of men and women who trusted God to pray in humility and surrender to Christ. They said, your will be done. And do you know what? God changed them and changed nations through them. And we're no different. We are invited to do the same. James 5 verse 16 tells us that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. We are righteous, not because we are good, but because he is good and we are clothed in his righteousness. You have been called by his name. You now have his identity and therefore his authority. Therefore, he qualifies us to be partners with him in prayer and therefore our prayers in him become powerful. I, I just want you to receive that right now. I want you to know that just as James declares, the prayers of a righteous person, and that means anybody that's clothed in Christ, that we can powerfully shape the destiny of people and nations. Isn't that quite amazing? And so I just want us to receive by faith that promise that we can pray powerfully. Another question that people often ask is, if God has already got it covered and his plans are ultimately going to prevail on the earth, why bother praying? If God's got it already stitched up, if he's already determined that these things are going to happen, we can't change anything, can we? And therefore, he doesn't need us anyway. And, you know, that's a very good question. 
But let me say this to you, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible shows us that it is God's heart that we get caught up with him in shaping his future. Do you know there are so many stories of how the prevailing prayers of men and women in the Bible shape outcomes with God? I just want to talk about a few very, very briefly. In Genesis chapter 18, we see Abraham bargaining with God over the city of Sodom, where nephew, where, where his nephew Lot and his family are now living. Everybody knows that this city is so perverse and evil, and it's done so many depraved things that it needs to be brought under justice and judgment. But Abraham wrestles with God. He's in prayer with God. And at the end of it, Lot and many of his family are saved as a result of his intervention. In the book of Exodus, which we've just been looking at as a church, in Exodus 17, we see the story of Joshua in the valley, leading the army of Israel against the Amalekites. They were a brutal and warlike people. And Moses is on the mountain praying whilst Joshua is down in the valley. As Moses keeps his hands high in prayer, the Israelites are winning. But as he tires and his hands come down, the, Amalekite, the Amalekites start to prevail. So her and Aaron, two of Moses' companions, Aaron being his brother, lift his arms in prayer and Joshua and the Israelites win the victory. Wow, that's an amazing story. You see, God has not so determined the future that our free will in joining God in prayer cannot change outcomes. Listen, I want to tell you a story about a couple of friends of ours. They're, they're um, dear, dear, uh, almost like a mother and father in the Lord to us. Uh, they're based in Birmingham. Names are David and Janet. And um, many years ago, before we were in Bedford, we, we were praying for them on a holiday trip that they were going to go on. And both Julie and myself felt at the same time that we should really pray protection over their journey. And interestingly, on the same day, others felt exactly the same. You have to understand, this was the time before mobile phones. That's how long ago it was, all right? So you didn't just phone somebody up, you had to contact them by a landline. And if they weren't there, you couldn't get to them. But some had managed to catch David and Janet before they left and said, that they felt that they should be praying as they go along, but others would be praying for protection and guidance on this holiday trip. Well, as they were going on this trip, they felt led to stop at a lay-by as they were coming up to it. They really felt the Holy Spirit almost compel them. You need to stop and you need to pray. And so they pulled into the lay-by. They stopped for half an hour and prayed for some of that time. And they had a flask of tea, I think, whilst they were also waiting. Then they went on their journey. It hadn't been too long before they came across a massive accident. I'm not talking small, lorry, other cars, caravans. It was a massive pileup. Now here's the wonder, no one was seriously hurt, but as they came near, they were able to stop and help what was going on in this accident. But what they worked out is that this accident had happened at about the time that they probably would have been going past that point. And okay, you can never prove this, but they believe that they would have been caught up in that 
And it was almost as though the Lord was warning them and warning others to pray for them. And as they were praying, they were praying for safety, they were praying for protection. And guess what? Nobody, nobody was seriously hurt in that accident. Now, I believe that's what happens when we get to pray under the leading of the Spirit. Ezekiel 22 verse 30, which is a very kind of challenging verse, it also shows us the cost of us not responding to God's leading to pray. One of the things that it says in that verse is, I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. Now, again, you need to understand the context of this passage. The people of God, again, have rebelled against him and he's brought judgment upon them. But he was looking for someone, some righteous person just to stand in the gap and pray, but he found no one. You see, there are times by us not responding to God's invitation to stand in the gap. We miss God's moments to bring powerful breakthrough and deliverance. My friends, the Bible is very happy to affirm together both the sovereign rule of God over all things, but also the free will of men and women to join with God in determining the outcomes. I've got a quote here by a guy called Walter Wink. What a great name. And he says this, he says, history belongs to the intercessors who believe the future into being. By means of our intercessions, we veritably cast fire upon the earth and trumpet the future into being. And when he's talking about casting fire upon the earth, he's not talking about the judgment of God. He's talking about bringing the presence and the power of God upon the earth in such a way that we make things, bring things into being through our prayers as we get caught up with our Heavenly Father. I think that's a fantastic quote. I love the idea that we get to shape with our Heavenly Father the future. Intercession is indeed both a privilege and an honour bestowed upon us as God's children. But it's also a responsibility to take our place alongside our Heavenly Father in bringing into being his reign and his rule on the earth. So how? How on earth do we get into this? Well, because we're going through the prayer course at the moment, I'm going to use some of the simple guidelines that Pete Gregg gives in his book, How to Pray, to take us onto the journey of intercession. I hope you'll find these helpful. So the first thing that I want to say is, how do we get to do this? Is, is get informed. Praying for others and circumstances beyond ourselves is best served from a place of knowledge. Firstly, knowledge and intimacy of our Heavenly Father. It's so good that we first of all connect with him, that we know him more, not just know about him, but know him more. That's why adoration that Heather spoke about a couple of weeks ago is a great starting point as we begin the journey of intercession because it gets our gaze on him. <clears throat> Excuse me. We then... From that point, get to hear his heart and his voice for the things that we should pray for. That's really important because we want our Heavenly Father to set the tone. But then secondly, we can get knowledge or get informed 
of the things that God has put on our heart by finding out information about people or about circumstances or about nations or about different things that God has opened up to us. You know, as a church, we have felt led over the years to work with different people in different nations. And one of the things that we can do to help our praying is to, is to find out from them what it is that they need, what it is that they would like us to pray for. It's not wrong to find out and get information. One of the things that Ginny and myself have done, and we've done as a family over many years, although I guess less so perhaps since the children have left home, is that we take our graces, that is when we have meals, we take the grace that we take, particularly around tea time, to pray for a nation, to pray for brothers and sisters that are connected with us in those nations. And uh, it's just a great way of, of, of praying, but we, we, we try and get in touch with people and find out what's going on. Recently, I don't know whether you've been aware of this, but I've, I've been led again to the nation of Myanmar or Burma as it was. It's been placed on my heart with a great burden. You know, we have people who are from Myanmar in our church. Alice, if you're watching, God bless you and God bless your family who are back home in Myanmar. We have a number of others who are connected with, with mission works in that land. Jonathan and Nicola, if you're watching, thank you for what you've provided in terms of information. But I found out that it's so important to, to pray from an informed place. And so it's been good to get some information, not just reading the newspapers, but finding out from people on the ground. And so I want to encourage us, get informed. Get informed by God from him, but get informed about the people that he puts on our heart. At the moment, we're praying for a number of people who are sick. It's great that we can pray, God, heal them. That's a good prayer. God always answers even the simplest of prayers. But it's also good if, if there are other things that we need to specifically pray into. I want to encourage us to get information. Why don't you get on the phone to somebody, ask, just, just get something from them that you can pray into. You see, getting information is actually about you standing in their shoes. It's not just praying for them, we are joining with them. We start to feel compassion and concern as one who is intimately connected through the Holy Spirit. So that's the first one, get informed. Secondly, following on from that, get inspired. Get, um, as, as it were, from the Bible and the Holy Spirit, what we should pray for. You know, sometimes I don't know about you, I don't know quite what to pray for in different situations, but if we go to the Bible, we find that it talks about praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation praying for people to know him better, praying for people to be filled with hope and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the great prayers that we read about Jesus is that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and with all people. That's a fantastic prayer to pray for others, that they would grow in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and all people. Would it be great just for us to have favour wherever we go? We can pray for that. And of course, we get to pray that alongside things like blessing, which is always a good prayer, to Lord bless them. Protection, that's a great prayer. Guidance, it's a great prayer. But ask the Holy Spirit as well. 
what would you have me pray for? Especially for people. You know, I've been so blessed by having a mum and dad who have always prayed for me and my brother and for our family. And, you know, over us as a family, there have always been promises of revival. And I, and, I, and I share this with you just humbly, but the Lord has spoken revival over us and that we will be a family that passed the fire from one generation to the next. Do you know, when you, when you have words that are prophesied over you like that, you want to keep praying them in. And so we do that over all our children and their children and, and, and even praying in anticipation of children to come. We, that's what we're doing. I might regret sharing this right now. But Ginny and myself have made um, a, a kind of response to what the Holy Spirit's been doing in our lives to, to bring all the nudges that he gives to us, maybe through um, things coming into our mind or even through texts or messages or WhatsApps or whatever. So whenever a message comes, we, we, we take that as an opportunity to pray. It's not always profound and long, but we take it as a moment Lord, what do, you want to, what do you want to pray for that person? They've sent me this message. What do you want me to pray for them? And, and we'll pray for you. Now, we might regret doing that. We might get overwhelmed, I guess. But it's okay because we know that we're going to try and let the Holy Spirit lead us and inspire us in what we're praying for. So I want to encourage you. Start praying the future into being through the leading of the Holy Spirit as you pray for others. Thirdly, and we're coming into land very, sh very shortly. Get indignant. What do I mean by that is don't settle just for no when actually you're not sure it is no. I'm learning slowly but surely that when things don't happen at once or even over a period of time in prayer, it doesn't mean it's time to stop. Sometimes we need to keep battling through. Sometimes there is a place to say, no, I'm not having this on my watch. You know, I remember a few years ago, a dear brother in our church, Ross, and I'm sure Ross, you're watching this morning. Ross had a massive, massive heart attack. In, in fact, by all accounts, he shouldn't be here. But in that moment, the grace of God was over our dear brother's life. And as a church, we were asked to pray. And I remember Ginny and myself, in the moment that we heard this, Lord, we're not settling for this. And, and we kind of spent a lot of time, and I know many others did as well, just saying, Lord, no. This man has got a future and a destiny. He, yes, he's got a future with you. We know that. But this is not his time. This, we just know this is not his time. And, you know, sometimes there is a place for us to say, no, we're not having this. There's an indignation in prayer which stands in the way that, that, that says we're not having the forces of darkness prevail here. Something that is, is amazing to know is that the Lord's Prayer is written majoritively in the imperative mood. What do I mean by that? It means it commands things. Hallow your name. Give our bread. Be done in your name. Deliver us from evil. Forgive us our trespasses. There have been a number of things in my life recently, which I'll be honest with you, haven't happened. And I guess it's brought a sense of disappointment because they haven't worked out as I thought they might. Sometimes that is God's timing and God's way in that situation. Sometimes it is, the door's closed. 
But there are many other times where that is not to be the final word. And yet we settle for it as though it is. When we have disappointment in prayer, that actually is not to lead us into despair, but it's to lead us into a greater desperation for breakthrough. So I want to say to you, do not give up until the Holy Spirit makes it absolutely clear it's time to do so. So don't stop praying for the person that keeps on rejecting the gospel. Don't stop praying for sickness to be healed just because it hasn't had the breakthrough in that moment. Let's engage in prayer, not just with our knowledge and inspiration, but with that indignant passion that comes from knowing that our God hasn't yet declared that this is over. Let our heart and our passion be stirred by the Holy Spirit. I do so love that, that line in the song, Hosanna. Break my heart with what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. That is so powerful. Let the Holy Spirit break our heart and make us indignant until we see what is in his heart come on the earth. And finally, and this is where we land, get in sync, get in agreement. In other words, join with other Christians in agreeing together in prayer. Matthew 18 verses 19 to 20 says this, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. One of the keys to successful asking in prayer, according to Jesus, is agreement with other people. That's why we say amen, because it means so be it, let it happen. And it's also why church prayer meetings or gatherings in twos or threes are so important. There's a unique power vested in united intercession when God's people gather in the name of Jesus and agree in his name. Just listen to these words as we finish from 2 Chronicles 7, 13 to 14. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Church, this is an invitation to stand in the gap with our heavenly father and shape the future for his glory. It's about us taking our place in the wall to pray on our watch and so shape the destinies of peoples and nations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's just stand. I'm just going to pray very, very briefly. Holy Spirit, just get this into us right now and let us be a people who change the face of history according to your purposes. We surrender to you and we say, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. The Lord bless you.